Welcome to P.S., the Puget Sound podcast, where we're talking to members of our campus community about their Puget Sound experiences. I'm Elena Becker, and my guest today is Cyrus Shafi'i, a junior from Houston, Texas. Today, as always, the Puget Sound podcast is recorded and produced by Moonyard Studio right here in Tacoma, Washington. Here's Cyrus. Cyrus, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Delighted to have you. I want to start by asking you just to kind of situate yourself for our listeners. Can you give an overview of who you are, kind of the bulleted list? What are you involved in on campus? Who are you? Where are you from at 30,000 feet? Yeah, of course. Um, So, well, my name is Cyrus. (laughs) I'm from Houston, Texas, uh, born and raised there. Um, I'm a junior at UPS, so class of 2022. Um, with a major in the business leadership program and a minor in economics. Um, although I have definitely taken a lot of classes in a lot of different areas. Um, I've been involved with ResLife on campus. I was an RA last year. Um, I'm currently the CWLT, the Center for Writing, Learning, and Teaching Accounting Tutor. I'm a captain on the men's ultimate Frisbee team. And I'm also involved in Greek life on campus. So that's kind of a snapshot on uh, some of the things that I'm involved in. And I'm curious because it is the fall. We are sort of in the thick of college application season and folks thinking about what college might look like. Of all those things you just listed, did you anticipate most of those things when you were in high school and thought about what college would look like? None of those things, any of those things? Well, uh, that's a great question. I, I definitely kind of saw this path coming towards me. Um, I knew I wanted to try to be an RA. Obviously that that process is is very competitive. Um, and so I, I knew I wanted to apply, but I wasn't sure if I was going to get it. And I was lucky enough to um, be offered a position there. Um, Greek life, I never expected to join. I, I didn't think that was for me, but I ended up going through it um, in the spring semester of my freshman year through recruitment. Um, and I'm very happy with that kind of decision. Um, And in terms of Ultimate and the Business Leadership Program, I think these are things that I was considering in high school and definitely thinking about, um, but trying to keep my options open. Um, But that being said, I'm very happy with kind of the decisions I've made and where I'm at now. So, yeah. Well, and had you played Ultimate in high school? Not in the way that College Ultimate is played. Definitely kind of the more casual um, side of it before I came to UPS, um, just as like at summer camps and things like that. Um, definitely college ultimate is a step up. And, and so it's, a it was a shift for me, certainly because I did theater in high school and kind of changing to athletics in college. Um, it was a decision that I wanted to make, actually. I knew I wanted to do that just because I felt like I'd been working on my mind for a long time and I wanted to kind of focus on my body a little bit. Um, but it was definitely adjustment kind of going to the gym, starting to go running, starting to do conditioning, um, because I hadn't done that all through high school. So. Yeah. And walk me through kind of what that looks like, because I think ultimate is a is a really unique sport at Puget Sound in that it is a club sport, but it is very organized. Sometimes I think when I think of club sports, I think of sort of what you described with high school, right? You meet a bunch of your friends and you sort of kick a soccer ball around on a field you've kind of made with cones because the goals aren't are on the other field. And that's not where you were that day. That's not how ultimate Frisbee works at Puget Sound. Right, totally. So 
Yeah, and Ultimate specifically, this is kind of the case everywhere. I mean, nobody really considers Ultimate Frisbee that big of a sport, right? They just go and say, you know, oh, it's just throwing a Frisbee back and forth. Um, Yeah, that's just not true. So specifically with Ultimate, and I I think the club sports scene at UPS does very, you know, there's a lot of variety there. Um, But in terms of uh, my experience, um, we have sometimes three practices a week um, that are two hours long. We practice on the turf field under the lights um, and we set up cones for our fields, but that doesn't mean that it's in any way, you know, undisciplined. We have warm-ups, we do conditioning at practice. We have a coach um, from off campus who um, won a national college championship with his D1 university playing ultimate. So he's an awesome resource for us. Um, and then in terms of the kind of the competitive aspect of it, the only difference here is that we go to tournaments as compared with two games. So because a lot of ultimate teams, especially college ultimate teams don't have any funding, we have to do a lot of our fundraising ourselves. Um, every month or so um, we'll take a weekend and we'll travel to Corvallis or Eugene in Oregon or um, Seattle or just anywhere kind of in the immediate area, though we have um, flown for tournaments before um, we've gone all the way down to California and um, to Ch- near Chicago as well. But so we'll go to these tournaments and we'll play for anywhere from three to five teams over the course of the weekend, a couple of games a day, three, four games a day, um, depending on how well we do. And so it is a very real competitive sport. And if you ever take you know a minute to go and watch Ultimate, you'll see that it, it definitely is a little bit more than just throwing a Frisbee back and forth on the field. But I've really enjoyed the experience because I knew that I needed something extracurricular to kind of devote my attention and energy towards, which is what I did for theater in high school. And if I didn't have ultimate in college, I think it would be a lot harder for me to kind of fill my time with something that I felt really productive doing. So, yeah. Well, and given how structured and successful the ultimate programs at Puget Sound are, it remains really impressive to me that you can functionally walk onto those teams as a either a total beginner or like yourself, someone who sort of knew the rules of ultimate Frisbee, but maybe not the strategy or the technique and still really be a, a meaningful contributor. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Completely. I mean, that's one of my favorite things about the sport. It, it's so new that most people have not been playing for that long, which means that it's very easy to get up to speed on where everybody's at on the team. I mean, I definitely came in without any of the knowledge that I have now. And, and, and really, I barely knew how to throw a Frisbee. And even then, I had all the bad habits um, of throwing. And so just, you know, two and a half years in, and I'm a captain, and I have what I feel a very confident understanding of the game. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really cool. And it's really all about, you know, how much work you want to put in. Um, but I think that's, that's true of any sport. Um, but definitely it's, it's very cool. And, and like you said, we've been lucky enough to meet with some success, um, last spring before kind of, you know, everything went sideways. Um, we actually had our first tournament in six or seven years where we didn't lose. We had an all win tournament. We won every single game and and got first in the whole tournament out of probably close to 18 teams. Um, so very, very cool. And, and, and really it's, uh, it's a testament to the team's commitment to, to the sport. Plus, it feels good to win. It definitely feels good to win. It definitely feels good to win. But it's it's also, I think, a big part of Ultimate. Because it's a club sport, right? It's not varsity. You know, we're not getting any great gear. We're, uh, most of us, we have to put in money um, and pay dues. Um, 
for a lot of us, it's it's especially about the community. The ultimate community is very, very strong because we're all choosing to be there. This is all something we've decided that we're going to be a part of. Um, and so, you know, often the last two years, we've had practices on Friday nights from 7 to 9 p.m. Um, and that's a commitment. Yeah, a lot of people are not willing to make that commitment um, at the end of the week. Um, but it, it's just part of life for us. And it's, it's part of our experience. And we absolutely love it. I mean, it, there's something so magical about Friday night in the cold, in the rain, getting kitted out in your cleats and everything, going out to the turf, seeing the mist coming off of everybody's head as everyone's sweating. And then, you know, it, it, at 9 p.m. on Friday, then you get to go shower and then go out with your friends after having worked out and done your practice for two hours and, and you're tired and you're feeling good. So there's definitely something to be said about it. One thing that strikes me as being really interesting about sort of the way that that ultimate community works is that it certainly is structured in the sense that, like you said, it helps organize your time. You have to show up to practice. You have to show up to conditioning, but it also is very organic in the same way that you just said a lot of folks are, um, that's really self-motivated community. I'm interested in asking you about sort of two other things that you mentioned that you're involved in, in residence life and in Greek life, which are the type of community that I think of as having a really a lot of infrastructure around it. Does that feel like a fair characterization or do those communities feel like they've been organic to you also? Definitely. That's a, that's a great question. I think, um, I think definitely of all the things I'm involved in, I would say ultimate is the most organic just because it is so distance, I guess, from the school, you could say, right. It's just us. We're, we're just out there with our coach and the school has very little to do with it. Um, and so when you start getting into Greek life, we start getting a little bit closer to, to kind of the school is involved in the management and the running of, of this organization. Um, although I would say my specific fraternity, I'm allowed a lot more flexibility than some other Greek houses. Um, some other Greek houses will, you know, say things like you need to be at chapter every week and, you know, spend a certain amount of time, a certain number of hours attending these events and doing these things. Um, SAE, the house that I am a part of, is, is much more flexible. It's actually in our bylaws that we have to be involved in something else on campus, extracurricular, besides the Greek house that we're in. Um, and so that's kind of an additional part of it that means that we are definitely given a lot more flexibility in terms of how much we engage. Um, but definitely res life um, is the most kind of structured. And that's really because it's a job. Uh, you know, we're getting paid for a service here. Um, and I would say that while the, the backside of residence life, being an RA, you know, understanding your curriculum, understanding all the reports that you need to do and, and kind of the, the work side of it, that is definitely structured. What's nice about residence life is your job is to connect with your um, residents. Your whole job is to support and, and help your, for me, my freshmen um, on my floor. And so that part of it can be really organic and you can find different ways to connect with individuals and, and take the best approach in each situation. Because obviously it's, it's you know, a wide variety of things that you're dealing with on a, on a first year residence floor. So. And I think that's a really nice way to characterize it because I remember thinking in my first year in college before I met my RA, this is someone who, as you say, is paid to be here. And because I was nervous, I had sort of used the transitive property in my mind to turn that into, this is someone who is only talking to me because they're paid to. And of course, that was not the case. It was the inverse of that, right? That this person had sought out this job because they liked people, because they wanted to fill that leadership role. But I think that is a really good distinction that you've made, that there might be some 
infrastructure around the position, but that the um, interaction, the actual doing of it is all very organic. Certainly, certainly. And, and I think that kind of what the way I thought about it always was I was getting paid to do the reports, to be on call, to make a bulletin board with all this information, to make sure that all my residents were, you know, doing these surveys or, or you know, whatever, all the kind of like really tangible parts of it. That's what I was getting paid for. But, you know, all of the intangible connections that I made with my residents, that's what I did because I wanted to. That was the best part of the whole job. I, I would have done that for free. Um, it's really the extra stuff that you're getting paid for. So absolutely, I, I think it's a it's an organic and individualized process. At least it was for me. Uh, that's what I had tried to make it. And speaking of individualized processes, I also want to drill down with you on Greek life. I think every person that I have had on the podcast two a one who has been involved in Greek life has said they didn't think they would be when they came to Puget Sound. What what happened? <laughs> <laughs> um. I mean, I, I think it's it's a well-known fact that Greek life at, at UPS and, and really most liberal arts colleges is pretty different from Greek life at a lot of bigger stateside schools. Um, and so that that's a part of it. You know, that's kind of the conception that a lot of people have of Greek life before they attend college, kind of this big, you know, um, state school vibe, if you will. Um, and obviously UPS is kind of different from that, um, you know generally, but also in the Greek life sphere. Um, for me, it was getting to spring, seeing all my friends on my floor as, you know, as a first year, all my, all the other guys on my floor, um, going out to recruitment and me not having a good reason not to. Why not? Why not try it out? You know, why not? This is the only time that you're an undergraduate you might as well take advantage of all the opportunities you can get here. It's not like I can go back when I'm 25 and, and go and join a Greek life. I mean, I, I guess I could, but I probably won't do that. And um, should you. Yeah. And that'd be weird. And so really it's just trying to take advantage of all the opportunities that I have in front of me. And, and that's advice that I've gotten from a lot of different mentors um, in my life is just opportunities present themselves, especially when you are the kind of person to create them for yourself. Um, and so really the trick is just saying yes. So definitely I wasn't expecting to join Greek life. Um, but I just came out for recruitment just because I wanted to see what it was like. And I ended up meeting a few people that I, I really, really admired um, in the house that I'm in now. And they kind of just convinced me to say, hey, you know, give it a shot. If you don't like it, you can drop after a semester. It's not a big deal. Um, and I just stuck with it because it, it ended up being a really good community. One thing that has struck me in the way, again, nearly everybody who's talked about the recruitment process to Greek life has characterized it, is that people who joined sororities and people who joined fraternities tend to have had similar reservations in the aggregate, but that manifested in very different ways. So I've noticed that people who anticipate that they will join sororities tend to have had concerns about, well, that will be really superficial. There will be these sort of superficial performative expectations of me and what that means and who the other people in that community will be. I've also noticed that people who join fraternities tend to feel almost the opposite of that, right? That not that it will be superficial, but that the area of depth will just be too limited, that it will all be the sort of hyper toxic masculinity, bro party culture that has too much depth to it rather than the sort of superficial stereotype. 
in both cases, I think they're really centering on, as you said earlier, the sort of classic stereotype of what Greek life is, but deeply inflected by gender. First of all, does that feel like a fair characterization to you as someone who's in Greek life? And then was that one of the things that you sort of wanted to verify was not the case before you signed on the dotted line? Well, you know, I think you've hit the nail right on the head. Um, I I can't speak about the sorority experience, of course, but I've definitely heard from friends um, who were considering going through recruitment that um, that was a worry of theirs, you know, that, that it's just going to be a shallow kind of experience that you're paying a lot of money for right. um, and not really getting that much out of, um, or besides drama, right? Um, and that's definitely not been their experience, which has been awesome to hear. And I, I think from the fraternity standpoint, um, it was definitely a huge worry of mine that I was going to get there and not fit in at all. Because I, I, you know, the truth is I'm not an ultra masculine, especially not toxic masculine um, guy, you know, that's just not really my vibe. And so um, I was certainly worried about being in a, in a, in a house where the hierarchy was determined by arm wrestles. Um, but that's just not at all what it is. Um, and so that's been fantastic. I mean, I don't know if I was expecting it um, or not. I mean, there was kind of hints of it. I knew that it could be a possibility, but the kind of things that our house does are often things like, you know, at least when we were in person, getting together on a Wednesday night and like all making tea and talking about like what's going on in our week and like how we're going to solve the problems we face. Like it's definitely a lot more deep in a lot of different ways than what I was expecting. And I think sororities are, you know, fill not that exact solution, but their own solution to their kind of misconceptions going in. Well, and Part of what's so interesting to me about that, too, is sort of the infrastructure of the idea that you would have this gendered institution where one of the activities is to sit around and make tea. Like, I, if we just talked about that in the abstract, I would say that's an activity that's coded very feminine, right? Like, if you think of the sort of classic tea party, and I, that's a really interesting way to think about gendered Greek organizations is as, okay, if you start to push back on some of those stereotypes rather than doubling down on them, then that feels like a real, I don't know if opportunity is quite the word, but I'm going to say like a real opportunity. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a tough debate, I think. I mean, I think with a lot of the protests that were happening last summer um, and from a racial standpoint, as well as a gender standpoint, the question of whether there's space for Greek organizations in this kind of new society is a real and valid question. Um, and it's one that we've discussed. Um, and I definitely don't have an answer. Um, but I think the right step is, is having conversations about what masculine versus feminine means. Right. Like I, I, I personally believe that fraternities can be, can exist and can be an organization that is solely focused on male identifying people. But the trick is identifying masculinity in there. Right. How can we redefine masculinity so that it's not so toxic and it's not completely focused on alcohol consumption and substance abuse? Right. Like how can we, how can we change the, cultural norms so that this is a space where where men can actually develop into healthy 
you know, non-toxic individuals um, together in a space that allows them to connect with others. You know, that's exactly the goal of what I see is as Greek life in general. Um, and so it's a process and I don't think we're going to come to a solution anytime soon. And I certainly don't know the right path to get there. Um, but I do have faith in, in people being good. And, and that's all the only experience I've had in Greek life so far at UPS. So. What do international smuggling, wastewater, literature of the African diaspora, and 20th century Chinese art have to do with each other? I'm Brittany Jackson, Assistant Director of Admission and Multicultural Admission Coordinator. And those are just a few of our amazing faculty's research interests. Find out more and discover new topics all together by browsing our website at pugetsound.edu. Now back to PS, the Puget Sound Podcast. Cyrus, we've been framing a lot of this conversation around the idea of maybe what you expected when you started with an organization or when you first came to college. I want to hear a little bit about what the process of actualizing that was. How Do you remember how your college application process went? Did that play out sort of how you thought it would? Wow. Um, <laughs> the college application process is... So I think to give a full answer here, I should give some context about my belief system when it comes to academics. <laughs> um, in high school, I, I went to a high school called Carnegie Vanguard High School in Houston. Um, it's like the number one or two high school in the Houston area, number five or six in Texas, um, number like 15 or something in in, this, in the country. So, so a really, really fantastic opportunity of a school, a really, really great privilege to, to get that kind of education. And I started taking APs my freshman year. Um, I actually came into UPS with eight credits from the APs that I took in high school. Um, and doing theater in high school meant that I would get to school at 8 a.m., do my seven classes, usually five to six APs. And then from four to 8.30, I would have rehearsals. And so I was at school for more than 12 hours a day with extra homework for all these APs that I had to do after that. Um, and there's no way that I could have done all that if I didn't adopt a much more relaxed approach to academic work in general. Um, and that includes, I think, um, my college applications. And so, you know, I told my mom, when I started at Carnegie, because I knew it was going to be hard, I told her that I'm never going to sacrifice my mental health for a grade. And I took that same approach when it came to college, because I saw a lot of people around me, especially at a high school as competitive and, and kind of advanced as the one I went to. Um, a lot of these kids were trying to go to Ivy Leagues and, and, and really, really top tier schools. And so they were stressing quite a bit about these applications and their essays and their, you know, reference letters and all these different things. Um, and I knew that I didn't really want to go to an institution like that. Um, you know something just out of kind interesting of a, about that? So just quickly as a sidebar, you're sure. describing a high school experience that's very familiar to me. I also went to a public school, but a school that is regularly rated sort of one of the top schools in the state, in the country, one of the sort of the right, right. press release about the U.S. news. I agree with you. Terrific education. 
terrific opportunity, very grateful for it. But as you say, one of the things that that environment sort of um, begets was this culture around college that both really worked everybody up. So it felt very high stakes. And I think communicated, whether explicitly or implicitly to a lot of my peers, that selectivity was a proxy for quality and that you would have the best experience at the best school you could get into. And somehow I just never internalized that. And because of my job now, I think about why did I not think about it that way? But what you're saying resonates so deeply with me that I remember really watching my peers feel like the only way they could have a good experience was to go to the best school they could get into. And that's just never, I just never felt that way. Elena, I could not agree more. Just completely. I mean, it was so competitive and focused entirely on, you know, what is the, you know, is the school's acceptance rate the lowest of all my friends, you know, like all that kind of thing. And it's so toxic. It's, it's unhealthy, really. It's an unhealthy approach to making a decision about where you're going to be for four years. And I very clearly remember um, a lot of my family, kind of my extended family, um, a lot of doctors and immigrants wanted me to just go to UT, you know, UT Austin. Oh, you know, it's a good school. I've heard so much about UT Austin. It's such a good school. When in reality, I knew from people who had actually gone there that their experience was not good at all. And they had hated this massive state school experience. You know, I'm not saying that it's a bad for everyone, but I knew that it wasn't going to work for me. And I knew that I didn't want to go to the East Coast. And so I think making those determinations about really where are you going to be happy is so much more important than the acceptance rate on the school or the name of the school. Um, UPS does not have very great name recognition, um, especially in Texas. Um, <laughs> a lot of people call it Puggett. <laughs> but, you know, I I could not be happier with my decision because I took this approach where I was actually interested in what the school has to offer me and how the atmosphere is going to be and if I'm going to thrive in that environment. Um, and so totally, I never got swept up into the, the competitiveness, the selectivity of these kind of higher tier schools, just because I knew that's not where I wanted to go. It's not where I was going to be happy. Um, And I understand the temptation with that too, in part because it is so hard both to tell schools apart on paper, but also to identify for yourself, okay, who am I and what do I want? Like that's a big existential question to ask. Oh yeah. You can kind of push that off a little bit by instead saying to yourself, well, there's this really clear quantifiable metric that somebody else has already put together of what is quote unquote best, then you sort of avoid having to confront that question of what are my values? What do I care about? What do I want my community to look like? But it's an important question. You're well served if you sit with it. I think I think it's a great point. Um, and I think it's a difficult question, to be honest. I think it's really hard to ask someone who's 17 or 18 years old, you know, who's who's constantly probably busy, like I was, you know, filling their entire day with school and extracurriculars and work. I also worked at a restaurant through high school. Um, and so it's hard to ask someone like that to like, oh yeah, what do you want to do with your life and how, you know, what kind of person do you want to be and who are you? That, that Those are hard questions. And there are questions that I am still constantly answering and I meditate every day <laughs> in order to answer them. 
Um, and so I think to ask someone, you know, who's so young, or, you know, it didn't feel like I was young then, but I, I definitely was, um, to ask them to make these kind of big decisions about where they're going to be based on, you know, all the media that's out there and all the, the reading material that's out there on colleges. Um, and, you know, think about like the Hollywood conception of college and like, and, and what people think college is. I, I didn't grow up. I mean, Houston has a lot of universities in it, but I didn't grow up near a university. And so going in, the, touring the first school I ever toured, I had no idea what to expect from college students or from people at all. I just had no experience with a college campus, even though both of my parents are um, professors at a community <laughs> college. Um, I just didn't know. And so I think going in, I, I knew that I didn't know. And so that's why I went in with this idea that I was just going to write like my essays and things like that. I was just going to write them genuinely and authentically rather than try to create, you know, the cookie cutter, perfect, you know, essay for my common application. And so I ended up, you know, I, I toured schools through the spring of my junior year and then the fall of my, my senior year. And I knew I wanted to apply, you know, early access or early action. I think it is um, just so I could hear back sooner. Um, and, you know, the truth was that I, my GPA in high school wasn't phenomenal. I think it was like a 3.3 out of four or something like that. Not phenomenal, not great, but not bad. Um, but my test scores were good because I had studied for them. Um, and so I just, I kind of, I took the approach that like, if I wasn't accepted to a school, then I didn't belong there. And I wasn't going to try to be someone that I wasn't so that I could get accepted to a school that didn't want who I was. Um, and so I, I, I remember very clearly writing a bunch of different college essays because I was trying to figure out kind of what I wanted to say. Um, my first one was about my experience at summer camp and, and kind of, it was a little bit childish. And so I skipped that one and moved on. But I remember very clearly there is a section on the Common App where you can write 600 words on additional information. Um, and it's not, it's not necessarily required or ever. It's just kind of, here's some space where you can write whatever you want about your extenuating circumstances or who you are or, or anything like that. And I remember seeing that and being like, Oh, well, I'll skip that the first time I saw it. But then I went back and I thought about it and I took the time to write as a first draft. I didn't do any editing. Really. I wrote a list of things I know to be true about myself in this box. Um, and it was just maybe five or six like things I numbered. I listed them out. Um, and I just wrote, about some of the things that I knew about myself, about how I work, about how I approach life, about how I approach people. Um, I just kind of talked about who I was in a very genuine way that had no kind of filter on it, um, obviously besides professionalism. And I think that was a big part of, of why I liked my college application process. I, I just approached it from the standpoint of the most important thing that a school can do is understand me. And if they understand me, either they'll let me in or they won't. And if they let me in, then I'll probably be a, big, be a good fit. And if they don't, then I probably wouldn't be. And so approaching it with this kind of relaxed standpoint was was definitely hard on my parents. <laughs> but I don't know. I, I could not have been happier with the decision that I made and, and where I ended up. So, And one other thing that I presume was part of your application process is because you're a part of the business leadership program, that requires a little bit of foresight. There's a separate application for that. Did you have studying business in mind the whole time or did that, how'd that come up? 
So actually in high school, I, I started my own business um, with a friend, a friend and I we started doing graphic design. Um, and it was a, a unsuccessful business, I should say. I think we got one check. Um, but getting that one check for work that we did was very, very cool. It was a very just like cool experience to be handed like money for a service that you pro provided. Um, and that was kind of the first inkling that I wanted to do business, just experiencing that. Um, but then I also uh, kind of, this speaks to, to why I came to college in the first place. And I think that's a big question to answer. Um, and it kind of started when I was much younger. I was in, I was, uh, I think a counselor in training at my summer camp. And one of the older counselors who was probably 20, 20, maybe, um, he had just dropped out of college and I was 15, super, you know, I, I super looked up to this guy and he basically asked me, why, why do you want to go to college? You know, what are you hoping to gain from it? And, you know, I said what my parents said, you know, I need a degree to get a job, to be successful, whatever. Um, and he was like, no, don't worry about all that. And just kind of, kind of providing an alternative viewpoint, a viewpoint that I never really encountered before. You know, college is kind of, I think for a lot of people in the middle class, college is just the next step, right? It's an obvious next step. There's no question. Um, and so he was questioning it and I had never questioned it before. And so that led to me realizing I needed a real reason to be at school. You know, we're, we pay a lot of money to be here. You should come for more than just the degree. Um, and so I told my mother um, before I came to UPS that, and before I really started applying to schools, I said, I'm not going to college for the degree. I'm going for the education and for the experience. I could care less about this piece of paper that says I was here because the records are here. They'll, everyone will know I was here. But the important thing, what I should really be focusing on is what experience I'm getting this and what knowledge I'm getting out of this. I should be taking classes that add to my knowledge in a way that I'm actually going to be interested in. Um, and so I think that also led to my decision to do UPS and to do the business leadership program, because I think that a business degree is a very, very applicable degree in a lot of different fields. And I think a lot of things you can learn on the job and whatever. And I think business is one of those things too, but having this background, I think will allow me to do a much greater variety of things than if I say, for example, got a biology degree. Um, and so that's kind of why I, I joined the business program and specifically the business leadership program just had so many opportunities for, for that extra knowledge, that learning, those connections, that experience. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know that, I think that's a pretty long winded answer to that question, but um, I definitely think that knowing what you're looking to get out of college is really should be the first step in your college application process because it, it determines everything that follows. Cyrus, we end every conversation by asking everybody the same four questions. The first question is, where's your favorite place on campus? As a Frisbee player, it is well known that the Frisbee team often, especially in good weather, takes over Todd Field. I think we are notorious for, for covering up a lot of the area um, near Todd Fibs. And so I would probably have to say that um, Todd Field is my favorite place on campus, especially, you know, in the spring, in the sun, when it's been rainy and dark and cold all winter. Um, 
man, going out in Todd Field the first couple of days when it's sunny and warm, it doesn't get much better than that. <laughs> what are you reading right now? I am reading, I actually had it here in front of me, The Mindfulness in Plain English by Bhante Gunaratana. It's a, it's a book, it's very short. It's about meditation and specifically Vipassana meditation. Um, and I love it. It's been an awesome book. <laughs> What's the best place to eat in Tacoma? I know that I'm sure a lot of people, other people have said this. Um, I think you really can't get a better diner burger and fries than Frisco Freeze. You should also get the pineapple shake at Frisco Freeze because it's a vanilla shake with chunks of pineapple in it. So. I got to say something. I don't know if anybody has ever said Frisco. Maybe one or two people. That's what? a great pick. A Tacoma classic, easy walk from campus. Cheap. Absolutely delicious. Very cheap. Every, so it's good. everything I like in a restaurant. <laughs> the wait time can be a little long sometimes. You have, you have to go at the right time. Yeah. But yeah, really good. Cyrus, lastly, another big open-ended question. Why is Puget Sound special? Wow, that is a big open-ended question. <laughs> um, I think it's stereotypical for me to say this, but it, it just can't be anything other than the people here. Um, from the professors to the staff, to the faculty, to the students. I mean, I just remember coming on campus my first day before orientation had even started. And for those of you who don't know, the, when you start off on campus, there's a massive picnic and, and all the families are there and all the professors and all the um, staff and kind of everyone just hangs out um, outside um, in the big quad. And I remember being obviously terrified because <laughs> I was a first year of my first day at college. Um, and I saw some people throwing a Frisbee on Todd and I just kind of moseyed over and, and, and tried to draw attention so that they would invite me in. <laughs> and they did, they did. They invited me over to, to throw with them and they asked me my name and they were just instantly so welcoming. Um, and I got the same experience again when I went to my first classes and all the professors were so welcoming. And I got the same experience again when I met the rest of my floor at our floor meeting and my RAs. And again, when I went through recruitment and joined Greek life, because as soon as I joined the house, all the guys in the house wanted to get to know me. They, they just wanted to get to know me because we had something in common. They just wanted to get to know me because they were nice. Um, and I think that specifically is what's so special about UPS. And it's not necessarily that, they're, that those people don't exist at other places. I think they, of course they do. But at UPS, the concentration is just so high. I mean, the, the probability that you run into someone and they're going to be, you know, happy to see you and, and want to get to know you is so high at UPS. You can run into anybody and, and start a conversation with them. Um, and that kind of environment where you're just constantly seeing people that you know and meeting new people and, and running into them and catching up, that is really the best part about UPS. And that's what makes it so special. And, and it's also, I think, what's been a little bit hard about this pandemic because it's, it's a lot harder to run into people on Zoom than it is on the slab. So, Cyrus Shafi'i, thank you so much for joining me on the Puget Sound Podcast. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to PS, the Puget Sound Podcast. If you're interested in applying to or visiting Puget Sound, you can find out more at pugetsound.edu slash admission. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at UNIV, U-N-I-V, Puget Sound. I'm Elena Becker, and we'll see you next time for PS. 
the Puget Sound Podcast.